What do you do when the unthinkable occurs? How do you find the silver lining in the worst situations? Get a tissue. Today, Angela Alexander shares her story of getting through grief after the death of two of her children and how God used language to aid in healing. Language has the power to hurt or heal. Your language can destroy or build up the fabric of your family. Your words are powerful. Angela's faith guided her, and she shares how this happened in today's story. You are going to be moved. I'm glad you're here. Are you tired of repeating yourself with your children or wonder why they don't listen? Are you frustrated because you wish your kids could communicate their wants and needs more clearly instead of whining or yelling? Are you plagued by the feeling that you cannot meet all the needs in your family? Hey parents, you don't need to stay overwhelmed and exhausted. It is possible to build strong family relationships and have boundaries that benefit kids. Hello, my name is Dina Lynn Rosenbush, mom, grandma, and speech-language pathologist of over 25 years. In this podcast, you will find solutions to get kids to listen better and build family connection, feel confident in managing difficult behaviors, and help your children build more language of their own. So if you are ready to communicate in ways that build deep, meaningful connection and create a more peaceful, productive, and happy home, listen in. Let's interrupt the way you've been parenting so that you can become the parent you want to be. Hello, parents. Welcome to the Language of Play. This episode is with Angela Alexander. She has an amazing story of triumph and hope after catastrophic loss, but you will appreciate how she had communicated with her children and connected with them in ways that provide for healing now and wholeness for a mother. You will also appreciate how her faith and the faith of her children has carried them through. But you might want to get a Kleenex. Her story is powerful and it is beautiful. So I'm going to hand it over to Angela and let her tell her story. Wow. Thank you so much. I love, I love your topic, the language, language of play, because um, this is about the language through the written language, the written, you know, love language, mm-hmm. letters. And so for what happened to me was I was in Japan on military duty and I was there, I was working with a group of people and Lieutenant Vecchi said, Alexander, I need to speak with you. And we started walking and talking about nothing. We entered the door of the small office. Inside was a man who was introduced as, as a priest and another lady from my unit. The priest began nervously shaking, holding paperwork from the Red Cross. He said, your family has been in a car accident. And from the looks on their faces, I knew this was no April Fool's joke. The day before, my husband and four children were driving down the highway in California. A car cut them off. Our truck hit the center divider. Upon impact, they were all knocked unconscious. And then our truck went backwards across the highway and fell 25 feet below. It landed upside down on top of two other parked vehicles with people inside those cars. Praise God, our car fell on their engine and not the roof. So they were extremely shaken up, but they were okay. When the police, firefighters, ambulance came with their jaws of life, they saw a father and four children. They ran up to my daughter, Angela, who was 11 years old at the time. And they said, where's your mother? Where's your mother? And she looked at the officer all dazed and said, my mother's in Japan. Well, the officer just thought she just hit her head way too hard and was delirious. Did not believe a single word she said. So they retrieved my address from my husband's driver's license and came to my home. 
Now, most people think my me being on the other side of the world was the worst place possible, but I needed to be that far away in order to hear God's voice. Because in Japan, I had no choice but to be still and know that God is still God. And whenever and wherever there's a crisis, Christ is. So back in Japan, the priest says, your husband, Sari, he's in the hospital, but he's okay. Your daughter, Angela, she's in the hospital, but she's okay. Your daughter, Angelina, she's in the hospital, but she's okay. But your two eight-year-old sons, Maurice and Roger, they didn't make it. And instantly, as if no one else was in the room but God and me, I recalled a prayer my children said before going to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And I don't know. Maybe because I need to hear from my son so badly, I felt in my heart as if I heard them say, no, mommy, that priest is wrong. We prayed the Lord our soul to take. We did make it. We're here with Jesus. And God was sending me so much love and so much peace, there was no room for pain. The people in the room were watching and waiting for my world to turn upside down, but instead they witnessed my world still in alignment with a heavenly father. And the next day I was on a 10 hour plus plane ride from Japan to Los Angeles. And I almost sat straight up in my seat as I recalled this letter Maurice had written about a month before the car crash. Now, Maurice was eight years old in the third grade. He had a math test at school, finished early, and received his A. Now, he had to be quiet while his classmates completed their test. And in that quiet time, he wrote this love letter to me and my husband, the written language. And so he ran in the house from school that afternoon. He shouted, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy, I wrote your letter. I wrote your letter. He was so excited. I said, you wrote us a letter. Where are you going, little boy? And he says, nowhere, Mommy. I just love you. And the three of us sat at the foot of our bed and we read his letter aloud. And he not he wrote three pages, not only expressing that he loved us, but also explaining why he loved us. And at the end of all three pages, he wrote the word bye-bye. B-Y dash B-Y. Not B-Y-E, because the by and by, that's like the by and passing. We'll see each other again. So God chose the written language for him to communicate with us after he passed away. And that was so, so special because after after he passed away, I could read through um, and just see God's handprint all through that, how God guided him to write that letter in the beginning. And it's really what I needed to stand here and praise God's holy name. And then when I came over to Japan, I was on my kitchen floor just thanking God for Maurice's letter. And I said, but I need to know that Roger was also at peace. And God told me to search for, I'm telling you what, I searched my house for over three hours. I did not find anything that I prayed, trusted, and believed for. But that night was open house in my children's elementary school. We went through all their classes, finally made it to Roger's second grade classroom. And I asked Mrs. Blassie, what did my son do for open house? And two weeks before the car crash, Mrs. Blassie had given her second graders all kind of arts and craft supplies and said, do something for open house, your parents are coming with no other instructions. Well, Roger had cut out the shape of a house with closed doors. And I have a picture of it and because it's easier to explain. This is the, my children's book title, Never Too Young to be used by God. And actually this is in the book, this is uh, Maurice's letter is in this envelope and you can take it out and read it for the children. And then this is Roger's 
Roger had cut out the shape of a house. So this, this was stapled to the wall. I opened it up. And in the center, it said, Mommy, I have a big backyard and a big house. I said, wait a minute. What do you mean you have a big backyard? Because we have the smallest backyard in the block. And when I realized when he wrote this, he was in transition mode. He was referring to his heavenly home where he does have a big backyard and he does have a big house. And then on the opposite side, he cut out a tombstone. And in that tombstone, he wrote three powerful words. He wrote dead men joy. And this is an eight-year-old little boy using the pronoun men. But, but men, that's a pronoun for all of us because God is all-inclusive. But then beneath those words, he drew a picture of himself. And then on the opposite side, he cut out a second tombstone. On that one, he wrote the words dead men jams and then drew a picture of, of his brother Maurice. Maurice. Maurice is always dancing, jamming around the house. And I'm telling you, I almost fell to my knees as I praise God for being so good to me. Because I had just prayed hours earlier that day, God, I need to know that Roger's at peace. And this is what he gave me that very evening. Wow, that is so powerful. That is so amazing. The language that they used in their stories um, told you the assurance that, or helped you have assurance that that they are in heaven with God. And you yes. have felt that God told you through those little boys and their, their stories that they're yeah. okay and that they're doing fine now. Nobody wants to have your story. But you have, no one. But you have found a way to share that story with other families. So when, our, when the worst happens and our children pass away, we are able to um, find encouragement from people like you that have had this happen and you yourself have found strength and hope in it. Thank you. Yeah. And I know that you wrote this book. Thank you for telling that story. And every time I hear it, I get choked up. So yeah. then I have to get my composure again. <laughs> and I've heard your story multiple times now. So um, I know that you wrote a book to tell your story. Yeah. And um, so I will have that book in the show notes. When we think about the language of play, I think about creativity and curiosity and enjoyment and all of those things. And I find it interesting how I think of it in terms of speaking, but yet yeah. you're calling attention to the language of that enjoyment and that curiosity, that exploration was actually happening with your sons prior to their death as a message to you yeah, uh, spiritually. Yeah, you know, for us, it was the written language. And because in Maurice's letter, he explained in three pages over and over, over again, not only expressing that he loved us, but why he loved us. And just letting me know that everything that happened here on earth, he was happy. He was excited that we were his parents. And then Rogers let me know on the opposite side where we are right now in heaven. We are joyful. He says, dead men joy. Dead men jams. He said, we are joyfully jamming with Jesus. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm so glad that I had the chance and the opportunity to be their parents. Mm -hmm. And 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 I there's no regrets. There's nothing, there's nothing left unsaid. But I'm also happy that they're in heaven where I want to be, where I thought to be one day. Yeah. So it, it was a complete package. Maurice let me know everything on earth was fine. And Roger let me know they are together. He said, I mean, two tombs on 
And it was so funny because when my daughter went away to college, I told her to write me no letters. <laughs> I can understand why. I would tell my kids the same thing. No more letters. <laughs> return to sender. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please return. If you, were, if you were to talk to parents, because this podcast is for parents, and maybe you're talking to the parent that has lost a child, what would you say? You know, you hear all the time that the death of your child is the worst thing that ever happened to you. And I'm here to say, it's the worst thing if you allow it to be. If you allow it to be. Your child does not want you to be miserable. And a lot of times people hold on to grief, especially if they think they had a part to play in that death. And they hold on to their grief. Sometimes they feel guilty about moving forward. Of not even, and, and it's not, and we're not, and I don't consider myself moving forward. It's like, if I'm moving forward, I'm moving forward with my children. They are, yes, we have to go on to the next day, but I'm bringing my children with me. So in your heart. In my, yes, let's get it straight. <laughs> in my heart, my, yeah, in my heart, I'm bringing them with me through the memories, through the laughter, through the joy, because their laughter still remains in my heart. I can still hear it. You know, we can go back and watch a video. We can still hear their laughter. Mm-hmm. And, and because, you know, the love never dies. Even right. though my son is physically not here, I love them more today than I did then. And a lot of times people don't want to release the grief because they feel like, you know, that somebody might think, oh, you moved on and you don't love your child anymore. And that is further from the truth. Because the healing, the healing of your broken heart, of your hurting heart, of your ill, of your ailing heart, ailing heart is not an indication that you no longer love or miss your child. It's not an indication that you no longer love or miss your child. It's an indication that your heart is healing and you're beginning to accept what happened and knowing that it's all right. It's, it's going to be all right. So, you know, back in the day, we, you know, they, 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 they put ash on their face or work, they carried a, a cloth, a grief, a death cloth, you know, from 30 days. But we don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to carry that cloth of death to prove how much you loved your child. Right. It's okay. And forgive yourself. And that's what, and before you can even, you know, turn the pain into power and grief into peace, it's that one word right there called forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And you have to forgive yourself. If you, if, if you think you did anything to cause the death of your son and your daughter, forgive yourself and go through that process. And then we can talk about the grief. I imagine that that's also when you have these thoughts of what you could have, would have, should have oh. done different. Let me tell you, my husband was a driver. And, 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 and even though if he was at fault, he would be in jail right now. I mean, because they test, he, they test him for alcohol, but a car cut us off and left the scene. And so that person wasn't there to be a witness, but there were people behind our truck that saw what happened. But even with all that, he was still like, maybe if I had just went a different route, our sons would be here. If I had left five minutes later, our sons would be here. He was pleading with God, please exchange my life for theirs. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we had all those conversations when it was so raw. 
And I just told him, listen, there's nothing you could have done differently that day to change what happened. The miracle was already in action. Those letters were already written. You know, before April Fool's Day 2000, those letters were already written. The, the, it was already, and so, so that really helped him and let, and let him know that I did not blame him. And I think that's one reason why I was on the other side of the world when this happened, so God can get me in check. You know? <laughs> Don't you go home blaming your husband. It wasn't his fault. You know, so um, God had to get me in check to let me know so I can come home because, you know, with my girls, if I had gotten that corner cry, they would have followed me. If I would have cursed God, they would have heard and possibly repeated me. So I had to be careful about my thoughts, but more importantly, my words, my language, how I spoke with my husband, how I spoke with my daughters. Because if I came home cussing and fussing, they would have cussed and fussed. Mm-hmm. And, but because I came home, you know, searching for the miracles instead of the misery they began searching for the miracles and because they mimicked what I did and they started repeating what I was saying, talking about the language of play, the language of love, the language of happening, because, you know, right there, you know, you can go right or get left, you know, a death of a loved one can destroy the foundation, the fabric of a family, Mm -hmm. especially if you're pointing fingers at each other. So you have to be careful, very careful with your words. It's in the Bible says, you know, your words, the life of death, you know, the life of death of your tongue. I just forgot it. Um, <laughs> I just, just blanked out my head. Um, so you have to be careful about your words because it could kill you or destroy you or also build you up or tear you down. Yeah. The language we use makes all the difference. Doesn't all the it? difference. What they say, six and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Uh, that's a lie. Yeah. Words are so powerful. They were hurt. I'd rather, I'd rather somebody beat me than speak death over myself, speak death over me, curse me out, you know, tell me I'm no good. You're just like this, you know. No, I that because that could plant seeds that could grow into something very dangerous and mm-hmm. carry on to another generation. So you were able to refrain from saying the words that are devastating to your family, and you were able to remain in the in the hopeful and the like accepting warmth of the language, even in the midst of grief. And yeah. that is how it, you say that that's partly because you had to fly back from Japan. You had a few days to process before you faced the people. Sometimes when, let me rephrase. People don't always have that gift of a few minutes, a few days, words that we regret spill out of our mouth in the midst of our terror and our fear and the worst things that happen. What do you say then? And you know what? And once you put it out there, the sad thing is you can't bring it back. You can't take it back. I mean, you can apologize if you, if it's something you did not mean to say, if you something, if, if it's something you meant to say, then, you know, right. I, you know, that's that. But if it's something that you truly did not mean, I truly, you know, go back, apologize, forgive, you know, ask for forgiveness. Try to explain where that came from in the beginning. Where mm-hmm. did that come from? And if we can narrow back, you know, to the source of that, you know, it's, it's probably uh, layers of healing that need to take place because those words came from somewhere. Yeah. And a lot of times I think those words come from fear. Fear oh. alone can cause us to ricochet and point the finger at somebody else because we're just plain afraid. And so we're scattered and we're like 
just grabbing at anything, trying to change the situation and blame somebody and get out of the situation we're in. And, and we're in defense. We're, and in defense. So, well, we're trying to protect ourselves. Exactly. And in protecting ourselves, we hurt others. Right. And sometimes that happens. And so making repairs is important. And sometimes we do that inadvertently to our spouses, as you have already talked about. But I've also known that it can happen with our children, that we can say things to our children that is that are wounding. And we need to learn how to go back and make amends. And that is a a very important skill. And and I I think we'll be talking about that in another episode of the language of of play, which would be how we make amends and repairs. But it sounds like you manage this really, really well. And it was the grace that you had to have some of that time and those letters, that amazing uh, gift that you had to to tell you that they are okay and that they appreciate you. And that leads me to the idea of when your children were here, when Maurice and Robert were here, you clearly had good communication. You were connected to them at the heart. Would you tell us a story of something that you and Robert and Maurice did together that was a bonding experience? I know you've got many. Well, I, I'll show you one with, with, with his name is uh, Roger. Roger, out of the four children, two are biological and two are foster children. So Roger was my foster son. And one day I was getting ready to go overseas and uh, we were driving in the car. I never forget. He reached for my hand and he says, he, said, he looked in my eyes. He says, I only call some of my foster mommies, mommy. And it just, oh, my God. It just, because, you know, most of his foster mother, he called, you know, by the first name. And, but he said, I only call some of my foster. He, he was only, when he was, um we, he was only eight years old when he passed. But he had been in so many foster families that he probably lost track. And, but, but for him to, and that's huge to be, to go from a name to mommy because Absolutely. that's so much endearment they, that that word right there is not something that you just throw out there especially as a foster child you have to really really have love and trust to earn the word mommy mm-hmm. and so that's a story that i have that's so endearing to me oh it's um, beautiful that's so beautiful thank you so much for sharing your story and you listeners if you needed a box of kleenex on that one i don't blame you i sat here too sniffling away so i had to turn off my microphone for a little bit <laughs> and angela that is you're in my thoughts in my prayers and uh thank you again for sharing your story and i know that our parents especially those that have lost children will benefit from knowing um, your story. Now, if they want to get in contact with you because you've been through this, how should they do it? So they can go to my website, miraclesinaction.com. Perfect. And I'll have that link in the show notes. And I want to also bring up that Angela has written books and and you will find that or on her website. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for your time. Thank and you thank you for being willing to share your story. I appreciate it so much. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you. Remember, mamas, when you get behind the eyes of a child, you can speak in a way their brains understand. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you feel hopeful and want to hear more, please share this podcast with other parents that might want the same. I would be so appreciative if you would rate and review. You can also connect with me through the email found below.